When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to, Welcome to, Welcome to, Welcome to Mile High Hockey Lab. Mile High Hockey Lab. Hello and welcome to the Mile High Hockey Lab. My name is Adrian Hernandez. I am joined today by Evan, Ezra, and Jackie. We're going to be talking all things Colorado Avalanche. We have lots and lots to talk about today. We will also be having a guest from On the Forecheck, the Predators. SB Nation site, Brian Baston. We're really excited to have him on. We got a pretty pretty important matchup between the Avalanche and Predators coming up tomorrow night. So, with that said, please give us a, a follow, a subscribe, a like, and send it all over to your Avalanche fans. Let's get going and let's drop the puck. So, first things first. Let's talk about our poll of the week which I think is a hot topic right now because – and it's a good hot topic. It's a good problem to have, is like I like to say. Um, it's who is going to stick around for the avalanche once all these healthy players start to come back. We saw a lot of call-ups in the, in the meantime of all these injuries. Ben Myers, Jean-Luc Foudy, Jacob McDonald, the list just keeps going on and on. Martin Kaut, up and down. So let's talk about it right now. Here's the poll which call-up do you think will stick around? Jean-Luc Foudy absolutely crushed the results, getting 71% of 305 votes. I'll start with Jackie because this ja- this is a Jackie script today. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, boy, I'm excited. Yeah. So you tell me, um, do you agree with the, the vote here? And if not, how would you have voted? Um, if I'm voting with my heart, I would have said yes, Foodie. I'd love to see him stick around. If I'm voting for what actually will happen, no. I don't think he's going to stick around very much longer at all. Uh, like, not even probably a week, I think. Okay. Um, if if I'm picking, I'd say Ben Myers. Um, right. The organization's been pretty committed to him. Uh, they might have liked him to be in the AHL a little bit longer, but the way that they've used him since he's been back up, like he's he's playing center instead of Newhook, um, and they're getting him out in some offensive situations. I think they're even starting to use him a little bit defensively. So I think those are indications that he's going to be the one that they want to stick around um, when the last man's standing. Yeah, and I think that was kind of the game plan going into the season when everyone other than like Landeskog was seemingly going to be healthy. So I think that that's an astute observation to think they'll probably double back to having Ben stick around. He did get 22% of the vote, which I think is telling – I think that's more than I expected just because he hasn't played that much. And I don't, I think that that's all a lot of votes just based on recall from last season. So Evan, tell me, do you think that's the case? Did he get more votes than you thought? Or do you think this is about right? Uh, I actually think he got about what I thought he would get because realistically speaking, I voted for Ben Myers. I mean, that's, that's what the head says. Of course the heart says foodie, but um, you know, with with Myers' experience already with the Avs, you know, 
dating back to last season, even though it was, you know, nine games and then the start of this this season too. Um, you know, he's in he's in the team, I guess you say in quotation, in the teams. Yeah. Um, you know, before obviously getting sent down to the Eagles to develop a little bit more and, you know, do do all that. Um so you know, I think he's just kind of the realistic choice that's going to stick around. Um, and I mean, I how old is Foodie? How old is Foodie, Jackie? Twenty. Oh, yeah, twenty. And Myers is the twenty. I think three. Three. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, he has he has the age experience. He has a little bit more, you know, to his to his liking than maybe Foodie does. And um, while foodie has looked phenomenal and, you know, as you said, blew the, blew the pole out of the water and also has been blowing people away with his play, despite not putting up a point yet. Um, you know, I think if he gets more time in the AHL, the abs might think that he'll get better, but then again, we've already seen that he can do it at the NHL level. So it's a very, it's a very weird side to be on either way. I feel like it could go either way, but realistically Myers over foodie. Yeah, and I think it's funny because like the the dialogue online seems to be like John Luke Foodie or Martin Kaut. And I I feel like that's an interesting thing to be comparing cuz they're basically the same. And we'll get a bit we'll get into that a little bit. I might have just spoiled my own segment, but <laughs> what are you going to do? Any anyway, so I'll I'll go down to you Ezra. You know, yeah. if it if it is Ben Myers and John Luke Foodie, if that's if that's the the choice I think Ben Myers just in terms of his position sets himself apart in in terms of experience too what do you think of that yeah I think that makes sense I mean they both technically are centers but Foodie hasn't played center right. at the NHL level really he's been playing on the right wing and um and I don't know I think they the organization clearly trusts Myers more and just looking at fancy stats right now uh expected goals for between all these guys Ben Myers is way ahead right. it's a smaller sample size he's only played a couple of games eight games or so but um but uh but yeah he's he's way ahead on that and I think just watching his play on the ice he seems to be making more subtle plays that make a difference uh all over the ice whereas foodie is making really nice big puck plays uh in the offensive zone that people you know are catching people's eye but um i don't know Uh, on the other side though the flip side if we're trying to push for 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 foodie i'd say his speed and tenacity are something that sets him apart from a lot of the other guys that the apps have called up Mm -hmm. uh, and fits the bottom line role that he's been asked to play really well Yes. But of the other guys, the closest one to him on, in terms of that is uh, is Ben Myers, I would say. So uh, I just think Ben Myers is playing a better all-around game, causing more havoc offensively, causing about the same amount of havoc offensively, but with a more solid defensive game on the other side. Yeah, so, absolutely. And what is, go with Myers. if you don't mind me asking, what is Ben Myers' expected goal number? Uh, his expected goal percentage is 60 right now, okay. third, uh, fourth on the team, but behind Shane Bowers, Sampo Ranta, and Charles Houdon. Wow. Okay. So I'm surprised to see Houdon up so high, honestly. Yeah, that's, I thought, that is surprising. Like, probably a lot of offensive and, zone. Yeah. Play, yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess. So I'm surprised to see Shane Bowers on that list. For I mean, He had one chance his, in his His one game was pretty yeah. amazing. Yeah. yeah, that's a good point. In his one-minute shift, I mean – what, what can you well, do that, that's a good segue yeah. into into my next segment which is which was me comparing two players blindly but it's not so blind in this moment um <laughs> basically i wanted to point out and i'll just do the reveal because we all know my whole thing is that 
if you're really talking Jean-Luc Foudy and you're talking Martin Cow, you're talking about two players in terms of production that are almost identical in, in that they don't really produce all that much just yet. So to me, it's like you would default to the experience of Cow. You would default maybe also on the other side to the speed of Jean-Luc Foudy. So like to me, this is a conversation of splitting hairs. I think these two compared to Ben Myers is a whole nother conversation. But I think Ben Myers wins that easily. So to me, if it's between these two, you can see like uh, Kout's got one goal he's been expected to get to. Foodie's got none. He's been expected to get 1.2. This was a couple of days ago before last night's game. So I don't know how these numbers have changed. But Foodie just needs to get on the board. And even in the event that he does, he's still not producing more than Kout. So I think it's better to insulate him, send him back down to the AHL, let him score, let him get that finishing touch. That seems to be the only thing he's lacking right now. He's just as fast as anybody on the ice. He just needs that killer instinct, I think. What do you think about that, Jackie? Um, There's a lot to unpack here. Uh, I'd say in the organization's eyes, to me it seemed more Myers versus Cout because if you look at – it, it's truly been like one or the other that's been up in the NHL. It seemed like it was really between them in training camp, which one was going to stick with the team and which one was going to get cut. Um, so I think those two play more of a similar role just because like the maturity in their game, they could play more defensively, even though that's sort of what Myers had to fix up in the AHL. So, but I think they see him as a defensive player once he gets more polished in that area. Right. But um, I think when you're asking, like, what do people like about Foodie? I do think he fits the team better stylistically than Cout because of that speed and that tenacity and, and those flashy puck plays that people love to see. Um, when we're talking about production, though, like, I think Cout's one goal, two assists is, is a pretty high bar for the call-ups and for the bottom six because no one's even approached that. Like, it sounds silly to say, like, Oh, the three points is 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 such an impact, but they're not even close. Like, let's even see how long it takes for anybody to score three points. Even Myers, for example, like I think he will definitely best that. Mm-hmm. But how long is it even going to take him? And if you look at Couts, I mean, it sounds so silly. He has three points. He has one goal, but <clears throat> nobody on the team is scoring at five on five. His per sixty, even though those three points at a per sixty rate is like midpoint on the team. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like um, he's that's higher than half the team. And it, it just sounds so silly when you say like yeah. how Martin Cout barely produced either. It's like in the context of the role and the time on ice he had, he, he really does. did yeah. have decent amount of production and his, his shot rate, like his Corsi four rate, mm. I think is it, once you take out the very small sample size, people like Bowers, Right. Like fourth on the team. And so I think all of that has gone really underappreciated because you say, oh, Martin Cowett has had this chance and he did nothing with it. Uh, to me, this is not nothing. And and then when you compare him and Foodie, like Foodie's the new guy. No, Nobody's seen him in the NHL. Cowett's been around for five years. So part of it is the he was the 16th overall pick and the expectations. The other thing is just, it's been five years, you know, why aren't you on the team kind of thing. So I think 
the the lens that these guys are looked at is is a lot different too yeah that's a good point because it's like we're not expecting any of these guys to be like producing out the wazoo they're they're destined to be fourth liners or depth players you know what i mean and this current team what the future holds we don't really know i think in the future you put your money on jean-luc foodie because he has more of that future ahead of him in terms of development time to develop um but like the same is true for Ben Myers in my mind. In fact, I think Ben Myers is on the other side of of some more development based on his path to the NHL. So it's an interesting thing. I think we'll, the more we're talking about this, though, the better. Because if we're talking about this, that means that the Avalanche are getting healthier, right? Because <laughs> none of these guys should be in the top six. And as soon as that's not the case, that means they're being talked about in the way they should be. Which is, to your point, Jackie, like... We're looking at them from the scope of like needing, needing depth scoring and asking kind of too much of guys, to be honest. That's really not who these guys are right now anyway. So that's, that's, that's something we'll touch back on later on after we have our guest. Um, but I did want to talk about something that I didn't put in the script. I totally forgot. Uh, but there was a, an interesting little snippet I saw. I think Evan um, shared it on his Twitter. Yeah. Uh, basically they were interviewing Matt Duchesne and they were asking him about the trade and kind of the background of how the trade infamous leaving the ice in the middle of the game kind of thing went down. And basically he said it to paraphrase, it was one of the coolest moments of his life that Sackick put his hands on his shoulders and said, I did this for you. And, and he quoted said that Sackick seemed a bit emotional when he said that. And I'll start with you, Evan. What's first of all, just what's your like reaction to that? And does it tell you anything you didn't already know? Well, funny enough, my first reaction was um, for those of you that don't know, I run the Mile High Hockey Twitter account, and I saw someone liked a tweet about like Matthew Shane, and I was like, okay, thinking it was from like five years ago. And then I I look on Twitter, and I and I'm like look at this article that was just published, and I was like. I was so confused. I was like, what is this, huh? Yeah. <laughs> and then I was like, oh, wait, that was just published like minutes ago. What? So then I had to like go look, watch the clip and everything. Um, but after watching the clip and, you know, kind of di- diagnosing it, like it's really interesting and kind of, I guess, I don't know if bizarre is the right word, um, but I mean, it's the best one I can think yeah. of, bizarre, <laughs> um, is that, you know, obviously, obviously the way it happened was ridiculous. I mean, getting pulled off the ice just minutes in the game and in, in New York when it, when it all went down it's like and, WWE. Um, exactly. <laughs> and, you know, I, I'm interested to hear what Joe Sackick has to say about it. I think, I think I saw you comment about it, Jackie, under the article, but I want to hear what Joe Sackick has to say and like what he thinks about how that all went down because, um, it, if it was really that emotional for him and that yeah. hard to let him go, you know, that's that tells a lot. Yeah, that for... basically means that, that Sackick yeah. also thought that they didn't really have much going for him. If that's really how yeah. it felt, which I don't I mean, you can't look at the return and really make that argument in my mind. Like he was pretty aware of what the heck he was doing. Obviously, there is some luck involved in how the trade shook out. There's also some bad luck involved in how the trade shook out. So. Ezra, I'll, just to kind of 
expand on that. Like, do you think we'll even get a rebuttal from Sackick in terms of responding to this? I'd be surprised. Yeah. I, I'd be surprised if he had a comment about it. I mean, I think, yeah, I, I don't. I don't think he's really into making public comments on most things, and this seems like the kind of thing that he would just let lie. Right. Um, but to follow what Evan was saying, I mean, it does. It does make some sense to me that he'd be so emotional about it because, you know, Duchesne was there when he took over in the front office when he when he like when Sackick Sackick and Duchesne were definitely tied together for, for a sure. long time, you know, and and uh, giving up on his first core. Not that he was, I don't think he was the GM for the first core, but for the Duchesne O'Reilly, right. uh, uh, Gal, not Gal, Galliardi, he wasn't. <laughs> oh. He wasn't around for that, right? He came in a little bit after, right? But still, to to give up on the group that he had and say, "All right, we're moving on to this new, uh, this new iteration of the leadership core with uh, Lennox Dog McKinnon Ranton," and then I, it makes sense that that would be emotional. Yeah, I also think like to to double down on that, like also Matt Duchesne has been very public and open about like Sackick being his actual hero. So, right. like, I imagine that was a pretty mutual relationship in terms of respect. I imagine yeah. Duchesne probably had a little more respect for Sackick than the opposite, just based on experience. Maybe not, like, a glaringly obvious difference. But, Jackie, do you think, like, it's interesting to me that this is still Duchesne's story. You know what I mean? Like, he goes to this podcast and the questions are still revolving around years later, him leaving Colorado. Why do you think it seems like people can't just move on from this? Well, um, I spent the day going to the game yesterday. So I, that was on my to-do list was actually to listen to this interview. Um, yeah. I listened to the so, whole thing too. Yeah. Okay. So, um, so I wish I had a little bit more context to give about that. I just haven't heard it. Um, but, like I just listened to a really fantastic interview with Zadorov and and it comes up like they ask him about the abs mm-hmm. and um so I guess it would make sense why that's still a, a very big part of Duchesne's story. I mean, he was the face of the franchise. For sure. And so um like what Ezra said is that um Duchesne was just around so long. I, I do think just in general it was emotional. I think it was emotional for the organization, but I don't really believe the story that's sort of woven out there about like he just wanted to make the playoffs and that's why he requested a trade. I have my own theories. I've heard rumors. There were some internal issues. Interesting. So because he says on the podcast, I'll give you I'll give you a little information in terms of that exact topic. He said in verbatim, I wanted a better opportunity I think that this I wanted to put myself in position to win and play and and the other guy on the panel says you wanted to play in the playoffs and the guy said yeah he said obviously they've gone into a lot of success I didn't have a crystal ball nobody knew who Kale McCarr was yada 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 so that's kind of Yeah see I don't believe that because yeah. just the summer before he was on another podcast and he was talking about how he was really thinking about signing like a lifetime deal with the Avs he wanted to be an Av for life Right and this this was just the summer before, and so they obviously hadn't had success. They obviously, um, you know what I mean? Like something very shifted in his perspective. For sure. My personal thought was um, when I don't know if you all remember when Sakic said, I think it was Miko Rantanen and Tyson Jost 
and Nathan McKinnon were the three untouchables. Yeah, he did. I remember and, and, that. And this was back when they weren't good. And I think that offended you, Shane. That, and it was, and I think that caused a rift. Wow. Landeskog wasn't offended that he wasn't considered an untouchable. And he went and he said he, he wanted to be part of the solution. And I think Duchesne took it the other way. He was offended that he wasn't named one of the untouchables. And then the, I've also heard rumors about some internal issues that I probably shouldn't get into because it's not public information, right. but um, just that he had an issue with some of the more, let's say senior members in the locker room okay. of leadership core. Mm-hmm. And I don't know why I, I, I have, I have some theories, but I'm not going to share those because I don't think that's fair. Um, that's good on and, you because I, I know and, yeah. I know kind of what you're <laughs> leading leading toward, and I think that's why you got like the the way we paraphrase that to not get into the yeah. nitty gritty details and the way that yeah they, yeah they so say it, like, it's not important yeah yeah exactly. Well, and what they say is like the temperature in the room is hot, right? Or okay, the yeah, room, I think that's a good way the to room put it. isn't isn't stable. We'll just put it that way. And I think that was apparent too. You talk about uh, veteran leadership. Like as soon as the trade went down, EJ's comments are damn near legendary when he said, yeah, very pointed where he said, we want everyone in this locker room wants to be here now, basically, you know? And I think yeah, that set a precedent. I think that was almost more important in terms of the trade and its value to the team than some of the return, because I feel like, it was almost like something, you know how they say, like some coaches take this style of being the bad guys so that the team can galvanize in hating the coach together because everybody joins together when they can hate the same thing. I feel like Duchesne was kind of that scapegoat just in terms of the avalanche culture. As soon as they let him go, it was like, yeah, see, now we get to be who we really are, even though like the opportunity was always there the opportunity was yeah it's yeah it's definitely a fresh start for the organization and the core i think it also let mckinnon be the face of the franchise Mm -hmm. it it sort of turned it over to that so i do think there's a lot of different reasons in here i do think duchene asked out i think the reasons he did are not not exactly what he's presenting (laughs) about he just wanted to win Right. Um, but I do think he asked to go. And so to me, going back to the original question of when Sackick said, I did it for you. Um, to me, it just sounds like a fulfilling that request. Mm-hmm. And so I don't know that it necessarily got any deeper than that, but um, it, it's definitely a huge pivotal turning point in the future of this franchise. So I think that will always be a huge moment. Yeah, and for sure. And correct me if I'm wrong, like timeline wise, did McCarr was like on his Hobie Baker tour late in 2017, right? Or was that 2018? Uh, no, he hadn't been drafted. He was drafted in. Um, so he had already been drafted. Okay, right. So yeah. he was drafted in 2017 after they had the terrible year. Correct. And then the beginning of that year, the seventh. Uh, I think the Duchesne trade was no November 5th or something of 2017. Exactly. Yep. Yep. Mm-hmm. So it's the beginning of the following year. So yes, they already had McCarr, but he, he, w- he had just barely been yeah. a freshman at that point. So yeah, yeah. We, we didn't know what he was going to become. It's crazy. So his, his Hobie Baker year was his sophomore year. So that was 2019 um, then 2020. 
maybe? Um, no, it no, would have like been 2018-19. Yeah. Yeah, so he hadn't even played at the World Juniors yet at the time they were traded. That's probably traded. more frustrating for Matt than anything else. Is like, he's like, oh god, what did I do? It's not even like he he couldn't have known. He, he obviously that's what we're breaking down right yeah. now is he couldn't have known. But it's still, I bet you, like once he saw him doing his thing, he was probably like, are you serious? This guy, <laughs> I mean, I mean, you, you said it. You said it. He said you. He said that he had no crystal ball, yeah. right? And mm -hmm. it is something that is always going to be historic <laughs> with this franchise. Is that the trade, right? Right, and this just opens a whole other element of, you know, that huge turning point in Colorado Avalanche history. So, you know, you you can talk about the what ifs and you know the the what if what if Duchene had stayed? Right. What if what if McCarr, you know stayed another year at Boston College or whatever, you know, so, you know, there's lots of things you could dive down into this, but ultimately at the end of the day, Duchesne, I, Duchesne has moved on. I'm, I think so yeah. anyway, for the most part, Duchesne has moved on. Um, He's probably sick of the questions. Exactly. If Joe, if Joe Sackick ever gets asked about this, you know, like Ezra said, I would be surprised. He if might he just makes give a him a look about it. Just like, <laughs> yeah, like I, I'd be surprised if, if Sackick says something about it. And ultimately, you know, we have a Stanley Cup at the end of the day. Yeah. And that's, so that, I wouldn't that's a change thing anything, to have. right? Don't change no. a thing because then if you change something, that means you change one of the coolest. Yeah, there's moments. there's a lot Butterfly because effect. I really feel like they needed Gerard, especially in those mm -hmm. early years. Like I, I don't think they make the playoffs that first year if they didn't have Gerard. I, and mm -hmm. then, you know, was Byron the – the piece that put them over the top for the Stanley cup. I think that's a fair argument. Yep. Um, so yeah, if you go to the butterfly effect, there were so many different things, the culture change, what they got in return. So he shouldn't, what if too much, like the guy that I feel a little bit bad for is Joe's. I yeah. mean, that's truly like the, <laughs> that, the what if one he, hurts, yeah. he really should that. have been, been there lifting the cup, you know, is that, that one's painful. Yeah, what makes that, it so frustrating is like Nico Sturm didn't do much. You know, if Nico no. Sturm helped, then sure, but he <laughs> yeah did. That, did right. he, he's a good guy. Not to denigrate yeah. Nico. I I had not heard the un, the Untouchables before, and maybe that was just me being out of tune five years ago with the Avs. But I had not heard, I had not heard that Tyson Joes was included on that list. So yeah, he was because he, well he had he just been drafted. Then. Yeah, yeah, he he had just been. I think that was like maybe a year after he was drafted. So, was, mm -hmm. um, so yeah, he was one of the untouchables. Yeah, at so, that point. And the, just to put it in like total clear terms, the entire return for Duchesne after all was said and done with draft picks and stuff, this is what, what it sounds like. Andrew Hammond, Shane Bowers, Bowen Byram, Matthew Steinberg, Sam Gerrard, Eustace Anunin, Daniil Zeravlov, and Vladislav <laughs> Kamenev. That's a mm -hmm. lot. And not all of it hit, right? Yeah. But it's like when you play roulette, if you get to put more chips down on more numbers, your your likelihood of hitting is better. And it seems like this was really the best thing for the Avalanche at the time because what re Avs really yeah. lacked was prospects in their system at the time. And we got a lot of them. And then we also hit on Bowen Byron and Sam Gerrard pretty solidly. And, I mean, you could even argue Andrew Hammond who had a couple – couple of big games for the avalanche was was worth it too so just just you know i i think it's cool to hear stuff like this 
I'm kind of perplexed though as to why like it did seem like Matt was very excited to talk about this. I know we say like he's probably tired of being asked the question, but in terms of this topic, like he he kept saying, you know, this is like one of the best moments of my life. This is one of the coolest things that's ever happened to me. Yada yada yada. So I was just kind of like, whoa, that's weird. So I and well, my, it's it's something that he won't forget, right? Right. I think he's kind of mentioned that already. Right. So you know, I, make do of that what you will. Right. And I I wrote a very hectic quick article once I saw this. And I just want to set the record straight. I know that this isn't the second biggest trade. It's the third. I know of the Lindros <laughs> trade. I didn't mention it because we were the Nordiques when that happened. Sorry. <laughs> That's just I should have put that context in. That's my fault. But let the record show. <laughs> I do know of that trade. Uh, pretty important one. You know, I'm wearing a jersey of the guy who came in return. So. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Anyway, and he's and he's behind you. Yeah, place, and he's so. yeah. Me just, and I, we were just talking a couple of seconds ago. <laughs> just one last thought on the Duchesne thing. I, I also wonder if he believes that because this was so important that trading him brought the abs all this stuff. You know what I mean? Right. Where he was so important at the time that by moving him changed the fortunes of the franchise. So. You could look at it in a negative, like, yeah, they got rid of me, but the fact that he was so valuable and he was part of such a historic trade, I think you kind of, like Lindros, he was so valuable at the time, what he meant in return for the team. So I also kind of think that's why maybe Duchesne thinks about it fondly as well. Right. It's just that he was so important and valuable that that he made this much of a difference to a franchise. Yeah, I think that's that's a really good point. And this is an awesome segue. I didn't actually plan for this. but <laughs> I was going to say yeah. Brian might have some thoughts <laughs> yeah. about it. But this is – I was going to say we got Brian here from on the forecheck, the SB Nation Predators site. We were just talking Matt Duchesne in his comments about the trade. What do you think of that? Just give us a little thought. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, first of all, thanks for having me Thank on. You for coming I, I, on. Yeah. I forgot to join a, a little bit earlier just because I was listening to the discussion and I got kind of wrapped up in it and realized, oh, I'm supposed to be on this. So <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's great stuff. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, I kind of understand, you know, where it comes from. And I've also, you know, with his explanation for what happened, I've also heard things, but, you know, I it's speculation. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think, you know, from <laughs> it, from the Nashville point of view, you know, it was very, I mean, you guys know better than probably anybody. Uh, it was very public knowledge for many, many years that, that Matt Duchesne and Nashville were like, he just wanted to be in Nashville yeah. very, very badly. Um, and I, I did, I, I chuckled a bit when you were talking about, you know, they always ask him about the trade when they, when people interview him, I'm like, well, now he knows how the rest of us felt when everybody asked us about, is Matt Duchesne going to come to Nashville yeah. for all those years? <laughs> <laughs> um, but, you know, yeah, I mean, it, it's, it, I, I like what you said talking talk about like his legacy, like that knowing that he, you know, has a point, a part in the history of, of your franchise and, 
you know, even though it is him leaving, it's not necessarily a, a bad thing. And, you know, you could you could draw a parallel to um, Martin Erat. You know, he was kind of a franchise guy for the Nashville Predators for all those years. And then all of a sudden he's gone and they've got some new kid named Philip Forsberg. And, and Martin Erat is, you know, he's still around the Nashville area. He still talks about, you know, that. You know, Philip Forsberg, like, yeah, it was a good thing. And he was happy that, you know, he it was unfortunate that he had to, he had to be, you know, traded, but, you know, it brought good things to this city and to this franchise. And he was, you know, happy to be part of that. So I think you can, you could draw that. And again, uh, you know, he's probably asked about it so many times, you know, you think that we'd be, you know, we get some new information every once in a while about, you know, just something else or something else he kind of forgot to not talk about. But <laughs> I, I, I was really curious <laughs> listening to the, to the, you know, I think I listened to about five or 10 minutes of it uh, earlier this morning. So I didn't even know that it happened until you guys had tweeted about it. So, yeah, that's, you know, and, and, and I think you're right. Like that, that does seem to mean a lot to him that no matter how he does have a hand in the success of color, the Colorado avalanche, we all know the stories that like, that was his childhood team. He had posters of, of sacking mm-hmm. on his wall. And then he was his first GM. One of the questions they asked him, which I thought was a great question was, um, was it did it feel terrible that you had to have a conversation like that with your childhood hero hey i don't want to play for you anymore that's a difficult conversation to have so honestly mm-hmm. you got to give both of them a lot of respect for handling that in a mature and and conscious way that was respectful to each other so moving on to somebody else who who's not joined your franchise but has left due to the waiver wire i think evan has a question about that yeah, I was going to say, you're probably going to get sick of this question, too, probably, <laughs> but by by the time it all is over with. But Eli Tolvanen, what what was the what's the thinking process behind the front office doing that? And then also what's what's their plan for the future with replacing him, I guess, for that matter? <laughs> yeah, that's a good question. And that's a question I'm also looking for the answer to, um, <laughs> I um, you know, so. It's it's something that's one of those where we looking back, you go, maybe we shouldn't have been surprised that it happened. But at the same time, it's something that maybe, you know, people could have said, like, maybe this is going to happen. But you immediately go, no, they wouldn't do that. Um, you know, this is a guy. And yes, we'll we'll start off with, you know, from the point of view of what where the where the front office, you know, David Poyle and maybe I don't know, maybe the, the ownership, uh, the committee that. Yes, he's been scratched. He played in 13 games for Nashville this season. Um, we saw him start to get scratched uh, towards the end of the uh, regular season last year. He did come in and play three games in the in the playoff series against the Avs. Um, but, you know, this is the guy that was, you know, the Predators were coming off uh, the cup run. You know, they picked 30th in that draft. And, and Tolvanen was a guy who was a top 15, top 10 talent that just started falling because of the issue with his with his high school grades going to Boston College and all of that. Um, and, and it was great to kind of see because it's this exciting guy. Nashville's not known for having electric scorers, goal scorers. Yeah. Uh, so it was nice. It, it felt great because we're like, maybe we're going to have one finally. And, um, <laughs> you know, I saw there were people, you know, people who in, in Nashville who won, you know, just kind of started following hockey or didn't, wasn't really aware of it. All of a sudden I've got people being like, hey, can you send me the link so we can watch the KHL game, the <laughs> Joker game to see T- Tolvanen? <laughs> wow. And, you know, and it was, it was it was a fun thing. And yes, you know, that's a lot. He had a lot of expectations on him. And he also had a reputation, you know, lots of people, including people I know and respect a lot who are, you know, have worked in the NHL, you know, called him one dimensional. And that was kind of the criticism. And it had it had some points, you know, they're like, he's a goal scorer. He's not going to do anything else. 
the Predators would be best just to sit him up in Ovi's office and let him just hammer, you know, hammer at the puck. And, you know, he came in with Lavia, Peter Laviolette uh, once he started make, doing uh, regular NHL time. And I have a personal opinion that Peter Laviolette is the coach where, you know, offensive forwards go to die. Uh, <laughs> just for the fact that, you, I guess, the, the style he plays or something. But, you know, while he was in Nashville, Nashville couldn't develop a forward to save their lives. They just okay. couldn't do it. Um, I mean, if you, look at, if you look at their roster from a couple of nights ago, um, you know, they've got a lot of players. I think they had like seven former first round picks. Um, only one of them was, was from like a, a Nashville draft pick. And right. it was, a, you know, and it's, it's, it, it's, it was curious, but then as you know, Laviolette left and John Hines came in and John Hines is known as a, as a player's coach. He wants to, you know, hope focus on developing his players. And, and the story from when Hines came in was we want, la to work on his 200 foot game we want him to become a complete hockey player and he was showing signs of it but they're like we're going to really put a focus on that and if he works on that you know that's more important because he can affect the game because you know goals can are you know scoring a goal can affect the game in one way but most of the time people aren't scoring goals and so you have to make sure you're doing your job the rest of it and so we saw him in in kind of a a really big uh, big role last season you know he wasn't just going to be this power play specialist that people had thought but, you know, he was in there, you know, on the top, you know, in the top six, he was playing alongside Ryan Johansson. Um, he was playing alongside, for some reason, Luke Cunning for 82 games <laughs> and <laughs> in the in the top six, mind you. <laughs> wow. uh, and mm-hmm. uh, and and his I mean, I was I've always th- I always thought like, I think this guy has more potential than than being a shooter. And I was like, I think he's going to develop into a pretty decent, you know, defensive player as well. And he outdid my expectations i mean he was one of the better like even strength defenders on the team like for forwards or defensemen uh he's a guy that he's not the biggest dude in the world but he's this season he was out there racking up hits he was playing physical i mean he had fully done what his coach had asked of him and was doing pretty good at playing you know john hines brand of physical heavy four checking hockey doing a great job but the goals weren't coming and that's that's a you know and that's a valid criticism um and he'd been healthy scratched and people were kind of starting to wonder like, well, if they're planning on doing something with him, why aren't they playing him to showcase him to other teams? Yeah. But you know, that happened. And then there was the unfortunate timing of, you know, I think it happened all within an hour last week where uh, the the, the NHLPA announced that Michael McCarron was going into the player assistance program. So he's going to take a leave of absence. And then shortly after, you know, Elliot Friedman, uh, ruined the rest of my day and you know to say that because i'm like great now i know what i have to talk about and think yeah. about for the next 24 hours uh, uh, so it was it's just interesting because this is a team that is is spent a long time in what's supposed to be a temporary transition point for sure. in the franchise uh you know it's they've got guys i mean matt duchene great example you know this is that was one of the first times that david poyle had had broken his rule of not offering players you know no, no, no trade clauses and they were all committed and this is kind of supposed to be you know it was his white whale that got him in they got him for the deal and they got him for eight years so things went great and and last season they had to be pretty happy with the decision you know he broke the franchise record for goals you know exactly like if it, it's crazy to th- it's crazy to think about it just for the fact that you know nashville's been around for over 20 years now and until last season they had had zero 40 goal scorers and then last season they had two and forsberg and duchene and you know it sounds great like a franchise record but 40 goals is, shouldn't be the ceiling of what we expect from a player here in nashville <laughs> yeah. uh so but he wasn't scoring goals and and i i thought it was odd that you know a guy like john hines who does put a lot of emphasis on players playing you know all 60 minutes or whatever you know however many minutes they're on 
and and he's playing a lot of guys who are doing you know, the role players but they're doing an excellent job you know defensive shutdown guys guys that are in there to be on the checking line and they're not scoring either and in fact really not many people on the predators are scoring that much right um and so it was odd to see him scratch night in and night out but then to let him to, to wave him just outright wave him and let and you know and, and according to um, Sean Sapiro said that, you know, he, they were confident in the front office that he was going to clear away. Yeah, I didn't get that. Uh, I, <laughs> I didn't. Understand. Well, I mean, I didn't. Yeah. Either. Yeah. I didn't either. But he fell the 21st in the waiver order, which was, That's you know, deeper 20 than, or yeah. 19 piece. Yeah. twenty. I mean, I was absolutely positive he was going to end up in, in uh, Anaheim or, you know, heaven forbid, Chicago. Uh, and <laughs> <laughs> you know, I don't want that for him. Yeah. And uh <laughs> Uh, but he hit last. And so, you know, I, you know, part of the reasoning is that maybe, you know, he has a year and a half left on his, on his deal and he's going to be a restricted free agent, but I mean, it, they could have just put a sign on him for the other 31 teams that just, you know, it said Ellie Tolvin and like, Hey, free potential here. Yeah. Like that's, you know, it's one of those where you can get a guy that's like, he's doing a lot of the little things, right. But he's got to develop because he doesn't quite have the talent. And then you have the guys that have a lot of talent, but it's just not manifesting right now. Right um and you know and that that's that's it and uh, you know and if he he didn't have the season of being a full ice player last season that he did I could understand this a little bit more but you know he he knew what the assignment was he did it he passed with flying colors he had evolved how he played the game to fit this team's style and was rewarded by being shown the door um yeah I do think that it's it's crazy and I, I am happy though that this worked out better for him. And I'm just, I'm pretty certain he's going to be a lot happier, you know, going into to Seattle, you know, one contending like they are, but two, it's a fun high flying offense. And that's not what Nashville has. Yeah. And this is the and kind of, can I go ahead? Dave, go ahead. I just want to sneak a real question, uh, quick question here, kind of on a tangent. Um, but one thing I had heard and, and I wanted to ask you if, if this is true or not, is the pressure that Nashville's feeling to to have a bit better of a season, get back to where they were last year, that they're shunning the youth because uh, correct me if I'm wrong, they sent Tomasino to the AHL mm-hmm. and and he played all last season uh, and and Cody Glass really hasn't taken off like like people have expected. So would you agree with that? Is that sort of a diminishing the youth or well, is that just crazy Twitter opinion that I read? <laughs> no, 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 no. I, I think there, there is, you know, part, yes, I think part of that is definitely true in the fact that, he, you know, a lot of I think what's happening right now is due to the hot seat, the pressure, uh, not just on John Hines, not just on the players, but, you know, David Poyle and just everybody, you know, there's new Bill Haslam has joined, joined the ownership group. And he's going to become a majority owner uh, next couple of years. And so there's probably pressure there, too. And um but John Hines has had a reputation to kind of doing this. I mean, ironically, I went back and, and I did an interview with uh, somebody um, uh, from uh, the New Jersey site and asked, you know, what can you tell us about John Hines? And, and one of the things that really stuck out to me is they said he does have a he's a player's coach, but he does have a reputation for being harder on his young players than his veterans, uh, you know, and, and scratching them and not giving them time and expecting more out of them. But giving a longer leash to veterans and that paragraph could have been you know the subtitle for the you know the story of the first half of the season for Nashville is that's exactly what's happening um you're seeing guys like Cole Smith uh, Michael McCarron before he left uh you know Colton Sissons who's you know kind of a great guy but he's he's not performing really but these guys have had you know been in the, the lineup every single every single night 
Uh, but Tomasino still down in the AHL. I, I was certain he would be back by Thanksgiving. Yeah, it's absolutely certain. It's it's the just going back to the Tolvanen thing. It's like, and I don't mean this as any disrespect to him as a player, but it's like when it, when somebody just puts a really nice leather couch on the sidewalk and says, puts a sign on it that says, "Take if you can carry." You know what I mean? It's like. Mm-hmm. I just, yeah, it that's just, perf- a perfect analogy. Yeah. I may steal that actually. That's really good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, if it says free, nobody wants it. But if you put on like a hundred dollar couch, then it gets mm-hmm. stolen. Right. Yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. So, and, and, you know, just to kind of double back to, you know, we're talking about the different, the way the different eras inside of the team are treated by coaching. Um, mm-hmm. I know Ezra has a question about a new member of the blue line. So I'll let him, I'll let him ask you that. Yeah, uh, I'm I'm a huge Ryan McDonough fan. Uh, I'm <laughs> I was born in Wisconsin too, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I watched him as a as a Badger, and I love seeing that. Uh, it seems like Nashville always has a Wisconsin blue liner back there since the Suter days. Um, mm-hmm. How is he fitting in? I know he's on IR right now, but it looks like your your defensive group is. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm I'm shocked to see uh, former Colorado Eagle Jordan Gross on your top pair. But how's it <laughs> how's it all going with McDonough and and the whole defense group? Yeah. Uh... I will say this, uh, Jordan Gross has been a pleasant surprise. Um, they put him up there with Roman Yossi with all the injuries, and he's held his ground. I mean, he's got goals. Ryan McDonough doesn't have any goals. So, you know, <laughs> who's the better player? No, but <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, uh, you know, so it, Ryan McDonough, it, it was – it was an interesting, interesting trade that I didn't know quite what to think about because I was – I think I was mostly surprised that they traded for a guy with that much – term and that much of a cap hit left uh i i totally understand and uh you know the fact that he's a veteran guy you, you know you can't really quite put a price on that type of a thing and he's got a winning you know pedigree but he's an older player and as i say that i see he's 33 and i'm calling him an older player i'm like he's younger than i am so um <laughs> <laughs> but whew, that's a nice little reality check today but um <laughs> <laughs> but he, you know, he, he came in and they, the, you know, they had said that they wanted to do was they wanted to put him with Matias Ekholm, but that was going to force Matias Ekholm to play on his offside. He was going to have to switch sides. And Ekholm's been a guy, he, like kind of a, a unsung hero. Like I, I wish I could say that he was underrated by everybody everywhere else besides Nashville, but I think he's underrated here as well. Uh, he's been maybe one of the most consistent you know, well-playing players this season. And he's been that way. He's, he's kind of evolved. No, no longer are the days where he's waiting for PK Subban to come back and carry the puck out because he doesn't move with the puck. <laughs> right. You know, now he's, he's, I mean, he's, he's carrying it out and entering the zone. You know, it's, it's a big thing. And so they did that and they started the season. And it was a combination of, yeah, it's a new pair. It's a new teammate. You're on, on the other side. It didn't go well, just not at all. It was, it was bad. And so they, they tried a couple other things and then they said, Hey, you know what? Like that Roman Yossi guy is pretty good. Let's let me him switch sides. And of course, Yossi goes, responds, gets a goal in the next game acts mm-hmm. like it, it looks like he's played that side his entire life. And McDonough is looks like the you know regular Ryan McDonough. I mean, he's, he's, he's been, had a pretty good year defensively. Uh, you know, it's not been as good, but ironically, you know, his, if you look at like, you know, advanced metrics or GAR, things like that, uh, he's negative in, in defense, even strength, but he's one of the better offensive even strength players on Nashville, which I don't know if that says a lot about McDonough or Nashville or both, <laughs> but, you know, and, and so he's, he's done really well. And his injury, unfortunately, you know, kind of came at a bad time because it's all snowballed. I mean, Nashville is now down 
four uh four defensemen you know that have all started games so mcdonough mark borvietsky jeremy lazan um i, I am totally alexander on carrier people. yes and he's my favorite guy i'm really ashamed <laughs> of myself uh you know they're all out and so now there is three guys that are in in the the starting you know the starting defensive lineup that are on emergency loan they are guys that were spent their time in milwaukee you know kevin gravel jordan gross and and roland McEwen. i mean First of all, I'm astonished that you're like, oh, Jordan Gross. Like, I've, first time I've said his name and somebody went, I know that guy. So that's well, cool. Uh, <laughs> Gross and McCown came from uh, the Colorado Eagles. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it, it, they've, they've been fine. And, you, you know, this is a defensive group when you've got still have Matias at home and Roman Yossi, they, they, can, they can deal with it a little bit. Um, and, but in, before he got injured, you know, McDonough has been a pretty good, you know, a pretty good player and contributor. Again, you know, he's the only guy in the room, I think, with a with a Stanley Cup, you know, ring. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's a lot of value in that. You know, I, I kind of used to joke a lot about how when they say like the, having a veteran presence in the, in the locker room is, you know, such a good addition, like a quality thing to do. And I'd be like, no, I don't think so. But <laughs> Uh, there, there there may be some truth to it because who am I to say that I've never been you know I've never been in an NHL locker room as a player so what am I what am I going to say like right. I don't know but <laughs> I think he has done a lot of good I think that he is a great guy for another guy for guys like Alex Carrier and and, and some of the younger guys to kind of model their game at Dante Fabro you know I thought that my Ryan McDonough was going to benefit Dante Fabro the most just by playing alongside him because you know, Fabro's, he's still a good player. He's actually been pretty much better than most people, you know, expect out of him. Uh, but he's at that t- critical time in his career where he was a first round pick. He had a lot of hype. He's come in, he's kind of performed at, at times to the hype, but he's getting to that age of part of his career where, you know, the options are opening up and what is he going to do and what's the team going to do? And I think a guy like Ryan McDonough would, would be excellent for, for him. And so, yeah, that was um, the pair I was expecting to see. I figured it'd be Ekholm and Yossi, you know, with Yossi moving to the offside eventually. Um, but uh, cause, cause you know, uh, McDonough's getting up in age. I didn't think he'd be the number on the number one pair for y'all, but, but, uh, um, but yeah, Fabro is just not, I don't know. He, he's not who he's, he's not who they said he was going to be yet. Right. I mean, yeah, but that's also, I, I think part of that is a byproduct of, of being coming to Nashville. Um, you know, <laughs> it took a while before Matthias Ekholm kind of turned into a guy that they'd be willing to give, you know, as much money as they gave him. Yeah. Uh, it mm-hmm. took, you know, Roman Yossi took a little bit of time. I can't say it was that much, but to kind of develop into that guy, Ryan Ellis, another guy, first round pick, uh, you know, highly touted defenseman that was drafted. It took him a little bit of time. And, you know, they, it seems like Nashville just turns, you know, just churns out these defensemen yeah. all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, half of them leave. Um, Sam Gerard. You know, he's, oh, yeah, I was just getting ready to say that because, because let me tell you, I, I, I was, I'm a fairly new Predators fan. And one of the first things I ever went to was development camp. And I, I got there and I was watching, you know, I'd seen a little bit the previous season, but I was like, man, I love this watching this Sammy Gerard kid. Like this is this is the guy. It's like on Twitter. I'm like, this is my guy. I love this dude. And loved watching him that season. And of course, it was the first of many times I learned the lesson. I should never talk about a player that I love because <laughs> he will inevitably be yeah. snatched That's away. That's my from Tyson me. Berry uh, story too. So exactly. <laughs> uh, but you know, it, I think he's he's one. He's he's not an offensive guy. And so when you're on a, a team with guys like ryan ellis before and roman yossi now you're gonna get judged a little bit and and also just for the fact that 
you know, it's very difficult to quantify defense. You know, the only thing you remember about defense is when they screw when they up. That's scored you know, on. Yeah, exactly. And so it's hard to kind of like, you know, a guy could be playing a near perfect game, but happen to be there, like make the one mistake at the end to give up a goal. And you're like, he blew it. Like this game was awful because of him. Right. <laughs> and I think Dante Fabro gets that. Like he should, I thought he'd be a little bit further in his development. And I'm sure that the coaching staff thinks that too, but you know, I, I don't think it's time to give up on him. But then again, I've said that about other players recently and look what happened. Yeah. So. And I think the injuries <laughs> have played a, a impact, mm-hmm. important role on that situation mm-hmm. in terms of his development. And in, in the meantime, with some of those injuries to the back end, you've also had to deal with your goaltender kind of being there and not being there. But um, I know Jackie has a question about Yossi Saros. He had a pretty solid performance last night, I believe. Um, Jackie, go ahead. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I just wanted to, because for me as an outsider, uh, I think of Nashville as like the, their identity is so much in their goaltending mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. just looking at his numbers, uh, the last time I looked at it, I think say percentage was 908 that could have changed after last night, but, um, that's probably not what you're expecting out of him. Do you feel like the goaltending has been disappointing or is that just more of a function of the team in front of him? And and he's doing all he can. So I was just curious if there's anything, any insight you could give on because I don't want to go just by the numbers. Um, so that's, that's why I'm asking. Uh, well, you picked the right. I guess you may have picked the wrong person. Then if you don't want to go by the numbers, but uh, uh, no, well, but the, the I, I'll start by saying, numbers, let's just yeah. Say. I'll start out by saying that that you know UC Soros for a lot of his career, minus last year, had a kind a reputation of it took him about ten or twelve starts to really get going. Just played and again that I say average or like under you know below expectation for UC Saros is still pretty good uh but you know and that's we saw that um but you know I I was looking at this and looking at it again and watching last night when he was sensational because he's been that way all year and looked at some of the metrics he you know he's at 11th in the league all situations for for goals um you know goals above expected which is a big big indicator of the defense is just a you know is swiss cheese and he's he's doing a good job you know they should have been 10 goals but he you know he he only he let in five so actually (laughs) pretty good (laughs) um but he's done really well he's he's 10th i think uh at five on five a penalty killing he's actually gotten pretty a lot better just over this season uh with his penalty killing but again also that's a product of of the team in front of him being bad oh, wow he's fifth yeah so there you go um so yeah the record obviously doesn't reflect it and the save percentage i think he's at 91.2 right now maybe uh it, it's not what we expect in nashville um you know just because there's high expectations but it's he's still performing at at a top 10 level it didn't seem that way to start but he's doing a great job and i will say this surprising me uh, i was big criticism like a big you know critic of this move and the thing that was going around it but Kevin Lankinen is is also sitting up in the top 20, you know, at, at all situations like he's also doing a pretty good job. And I think that's, you know, a credit to one. He's on a bad team now, but he was on a much worse team last year yeah. uh, in Chicago. So, you know, here he's like, oh, man, this nice. is great. I'll take this all day. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, he's like, they're scoring two goals a game. Whoa. I'll take it, you know. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Uh, but, you know, he he's done really well. And I think a lot of it's, you know, the goaltending coaching Ben Vanderklok is kind of a, you know, a l- little bit of a league legend as far as, you know, him and um, you know, the name is escaping me that who went with uh, La Violette uh, to, to Washington. But, you know, it's it 
I think a, last night was a the perfect time to have the game that he had and the Predators to lose in the way that they did for people to finally realize, oh, none of this is on UC <laughs> yeah. Soros. Like, yeah. I mean, yes, I mean, and this is, you say like none of this is, is on him, but like, yeah, you can point to probably three or four games where he could have played better and the, game, the team would have won, but that's, you know, one or two games that's going to be you know those might be still the same amount of games at the end of this season you know he is the reason he was the reason that nashville is in a lot of games uh you know late and pecorine was the reason that nashville was in a lot of games including the stanley cup final you know late. like it's they they kind of save goaltending in nashville has kind of saved the coaches and the and the front offices you know their bacon a little bit but also came at the expense of well we're doing fine with them so we don't need to add more scoring so uh, I'm it's 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 easy to see it just because his record's not very good and you'd like to see that better and you'd like to see him you know with a better save percentage but considering what he's considering what he's having to deal with uh, he's doing a pretty good job yeah. <laughs> and even if he wasn't he's still doing a pretty good job well yeah and we'll find out because you know it's interesting now that the abs and preds are an interesting matchup these days because. Like we've is interesting about. the word you guys use? Uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> I would say fruitful as well, but I didn't want to be mean. Um, um, that was actually much nicer than I was, I was going to say. Yeah. About it, so yeah. <laughs> yeah, but, but I do think it's an important matchup yeah, because the yeah, have definitely. to keep ahead of them in the mm-hmm. standings. Not to mention so it does... we're emulating the, 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 we're trying to emulate that goaltender defense production defense identity is kind of like what we've become as well on top of you know our top six talent scoring talent which is nice Mm -hmm. we're the fast team but we're i think we're also trying to emulate i mean last year we our defense scored more than any defense ever so it's Mm -hmm. pretty clear that that's the focus obviously having kale mccarr helps that number Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) but i do think that that like you said jackie this is an important matchup standings wise especially given where the avs sit in in their health and within the you know the the true context of this season it's really important for the abs to keep winning divisional games and it's just as important for the predators because the preds are like you said there's a lot of pressure for them to stick around and be a part of the playoff picture just like they were last year and then actually you know maybe make a win a round or two is probably i imagine your expectation or no um i th- i think <laughs> yes and no so um yeah i think that getting to the playoffs is obviously one of those milestones and then you know then the coaches in front office say well you know we don't want to just make it we want to we want to win thing. Yeah. And, yeah and unfortunately i think the last playoff series win uh was the time that philip forsberg turned sammy gerard into a pretzel mm-hmm. um that behind between the legs move but it's so it's been a while and and a lot of fans have kind of come to the conclusion that like yeah, Nashville sneaking into the playoffs that last year has been actively harmful to this franchise because <laughs> they're not making changes and That's they're picking, point, you know, yeah. they're making they're picking 18th, 19th, um, you know, without the year without the year that they had a few years back, you know, they actually got into the lottery and that's how they ended up with with Askarov, you know, and now you've got another guy in the line of goaltenders. Um, but yeah, it's important, I think implications or not i think it's important that nashville tries to win some games um <laughs> just any at this point and, and it's and it's not necessarily because they're they're a 500 team they're under just slightly under 500 team and that's i mean if that's a pretty accurate description of just the team in general that just just average just 
you know, but they've got a, a schedule the rest of this month. I mean, they started off the month great. The, they had a back-to-back. They beat New Jersey in New Jersey in overtime and then beat uh, the Islanders 4-1. to one. First two days of the, the, the month, great. Uh, they had a five-day break, oddly enough, and they haven't they haven't won since. Um, they have faced, let's see, in order, Tampa, Ottawa, St. Louis, uh, Edmonton, Winnipeg, and now coming up the rest of this month, at Colorado, Edmonton again, at Chicago, uh, versus uh, Colorado again, versus Dallas, Anaheim, and then closing the year out against Vegas in Vegas. So I'm, 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 I I would say compared to a lot of my my peers in Nashville, I I would say that I'm a little bit more silver linings kind of optimistic than most. I'm being optimistic when I say Four points would be good out of the next, what is that, seven games? Wow. Four <laughs> points would be good for what this team is. And I'm I'm saying four, but I, just because I'm giving them an extra point than what I think because somehow <laughs> they, they managed one last night. And it's again, it's not necessarily, you know, this. You have to put blame on the players. You have to put blame on the roster and how things are going. Uh, but this is a this is a better team on paper than they were last season. Right. I mean, they just you know they got you know the the guys that were really kind of dragging them down, and I feel bad because I pile on Luke Cunning all the time, and I don't know why. Uh, but you know those type he 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 got sent off, and they got a return for him. You get a return for him, but not for Tolvanen. It's interesting. <laughs> but, um, but you know, like it's for that you have Forsberg, you have God Duchesne, you have Roman Yossi. These guys all had sensational years. You know, the there's there's Alex Carrier, who I thought was actually the best rookie on the team instead of Tanner Janot. You know, and these guys they're all there, and it hasn't changed. They, they they have they they're in you know year three with with Heinz and his system. They know what they're doing. They're not making any huge changes, and it's just a completely different looking team. Yeah, um, that's that's an astute observation. I think you put it really well when you said getting into the playoffs last year might have been the worst thing for this franchise because mm-hmm. you guys are like in that weird limbo state. Which I think the Avs, funny enough, the last time we were there was when we kind of snuck into the playoffs on the back of a rookie Nathan McKinnon performance. And really had a gut check playoff series against the Wild, and then the following year we all know what happened. I think like right. like that's a great example. And 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 to make an even stronger comparable, we went out and we got Aginla, and we went out and got some of these veteran guys because that was the thing everybody said was missing, and that blew up mm-hmm. in our face pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. So. You know, I also just Patrick Waugh being Patrick. Yeah, and yeah, Patrick Waugh leaving a month and a half before the season started or the camp started (laughs) wasn't wasn't very very ideal either. But yeah, Mm -hmm. man. Well, thank you, Brian, so much for coming on with us, man. We we really appreciate having you. Before I let you go, though, I have two two more things. One non hockey related. Uh, Mm -hmm. Country music fan, yes or no? And do you like and wear cowboy hats? um not really a country music fan I, my parents listened to it growing up so like a lot of people my age i've got a fond memory of 90s stuff but, gotcha you know Same. i don't mind it it's just not for me and uh i do love wearing cowboy hats Woo! if i had one but i haven't had one since i was actually working out on a research farm in college nice. so <laughs> yeah yeah i'm that most if you look at me i do not look like i belong on broadway when i'm walking <laughs> to the arena uh, when i go <laughs> cover the game that's like this ain't a nashville guy so yeah well you know I, I wish cowboy hats were more of a thing here in colorado i think kale mccarr is the only one who gets to wear one here but 
you know started adrian yeah yeah, yeah there is nothing there is nothing stopping you next cast i'm coming full cowboy hat but you know <laughs> yeah. we, i'll wear a cowboy hat if you yeah. Yeah. oh it's on now baby for real but, i got one so and then the last thing we, we usually all do a bold prediction here on the panel after our guest and this this episode i just wanted to let the guest only give a bold prediction so what's your bold prediction for tomorrow night's matchup between the avalanche and the nashville predators Okay, yeah, I've got one. Um, you know, this is we just talked about Nashville's in a turning point in their season, a critical point that you know they've got to take any points they can get if they're even hoping to stay relevant. Um, they have been performing very badly. They haven't won a game since December second. Uh, they do not match up talent wise. Uh, teams with speed like Colorado, like Edmonton, have have done nothing but terrorize the Predators for a few years now. Um, and everything points that this should not should be a very one sided game, and the game will be you know exactly what we all think but my bold prediction is because i've said all of that somehow nashville is going to win 5-2 and it's going to make no sense to anybody <laughs> all right all right well you know i don't tell anybody this but i guess i am now this is how i get all my wagers i just ask all the people around the hockey world what do you think and then i just steal that information and hopefully it's oh. profitable for me so if, <laughs> yeah don't don't Someone take my advice profit. then no don't do that <laughs> well well and jackie has a great approach and and this this is enabled if your what you said is true, if I make that bet and that and it does happen, at least you know I won. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> so that's that's exactly yeah. right. Yeah, Brian, thank you so much for coming on the on the cast with us, man. Brian from On the Forecheck, please go head on over there to onthefourcheck.com. You'll see everything Nashville Predators. You'll see some solid work from Brian himself. We really appreciate you, man. Thanks for coming on. Uh, thanks for having me. This has been a blast. Heck yeah, we'll do it again next time. Yeah. That sounds good. Right. Yeah, what, in a week, right? Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Have a good one, Brian. You too. Yeah, so that was that was an awesome conversation because I think, Jackie, you put it best when you said, like, this is an important matchup still, despite where the Predators are in terms of their outlook. This is, this is an important matchup specifically for yeah, the Avalanche, I, yeah? I haven't looked at the standings this morning, but I, it, I think it's closer than uh... – <laughs> <laughs> then we would lie. Then we're comfortable yeah, with exactly. Yeah. So right now Nashville sitting with 28 points and 28 games played, exactly the same amount of games played, and the Avs have 32. So we're only those four points. He says. Yeah. They, they're going to get in the next seven games behind. <laughs> so apparently he yep. thinks two of those points are coming tonight, though. So they're going to get off to a, a hot start according according to his bold prediction. I really liked. Yeah. I really liked his take on his team. Like he he seemed very. Um, very like realistic you know a lot of fans can kind of get into that sycophant mentality where it's like everything they do is right and i'm just waiting for them to win the cup and it seems like he's like very very locked in on exactly where the predators are and ezra i thought i thought it was every single time you mention that there was a wisconsin badger on a hockey team my (laughs) mind just explodes because i'm like they I know that the Wisconsin Badgers are an incredible hockey college, but just like just to think like geographically, that just doesn't make sense to me. I know they get a lot of snow, <laughs> but it just it's the same thing like when they say that kid, what's his name's from Arizona, um, oh, last our, night. Uh, Austin Matthews. No, and and the kid uh, isn't Tage Thompson. 
Oh yeah, Tage Thompson. Yeah, he's from Tage Arizona Thompson, too. Mm-hmm. So it's like these kids are popping up in 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 random places here in America, which goes to show <laughs> hockey's growing in in the U.S., which is cool. That's a cool thing. Um, I, oh, yeah. Are you guys mad at me for not letting you give bold predictions? Because I'll give you uh, yes. Because I have one. <laughs> okay, okay, fine. I'll I take uh, it back. You guys can do bold <laughs> predictions. Jackie, yeah. you first. <laughs> Well, my bold prediction was just that they were going to score two five-on-five goals tomorrow. All right. That is bold. That is very bold. (laughs) Right. I know. I'll give a little spoiler alert. I'm writing something about their five-on-five woes, so I I felt like that had to be my bold prediction. I was almost going to pick one, but Miko did get a five-on-five goal yesterday, so that it's not so bold, but two, I'll be, I'll that'd be, be pushing it. <laughs> I'll be waiting for that article because I'm interested because I know you always do a little bit of a deep dive on, on some of the numbers behind all of what we see. So that's exciting. I'll be I'll be sure to check that out. Ezra, your turn. What's your bold prediction? Ooh, okay. Um, I think just to make our conversation about who to keep up in the NHL between Foodie and Myers more complicated, they're <laughs> both gonna score yeah. <laughs> that'd be I love fun it. I five, love five it. On five. well I, yeah. I mean it probably would be five on five so there you go yeah, there, uh yeah. foodie will be on the power play Ooh. myers will be shorthanded oh okay that just I'll went from bold to like astronomically bold yeah right <laughs> i get <laughs> yeah. all right well, well I'll, I'll skip myself this week but we'll end with managing editor himself evan your bold prediction uh I, I kind of want to go down the same route of goal scoring as the other two have had. This power play needs something oh going God. for it. I say we finally get a power play goal. Finally. Yeah, that'd be bold too. And finally. then it rains and snows simultaneously. It's amazing that both the power play and five on five are not scoring. How well, are it's we? Because they're missing so many key power play players. No, it you makes look sense, at McKinnon, but... you look yeah. at Landeskog. Yeah. Well, what's... by the way, side note, Landeskog, let, let, Last night's game against Sabres, Landeskog would have been all over it. Mm-hmm. He oh, would yeah. have been all over it. People forget how valuable I, he is I beyond this... wearing the C and being incredibly handsome. I need this man to come back, please. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> please. Look how handsome he is in that red light. Most people can't pull off red light. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but, yeah, like I, I agree with you. That's, that's interesting. I think he is – obviously, Nathan McKinnon is somebody you want on the ice at all times. Nachushkin the same way like who we've lost it hasn't hasn't been you know like one's better than the other or whatever but I will say Landeskog I think him being out has had the biggest impact on a negative impact on this team of any of the injuries and I don't think that's any slight to him I think it's like something that he knew was going to happen and that well there was going to be some sacrifice after the fact last year when they made the cup run which goes even further to show you what kind of captain he is because i imagine this this was in the back of his mind when he was coming back like yeah i'm gonna come back now but i'm probably gonna miss some time next year if i do so kudos to that guy hopefully he does come back soon um i thank you three for coming on today i know we did a little bit earlier cast than we typically do but i kind of like it i'm a i still got like the caffeine from my coffee in me and everything so (laughs) it's pretty cool so thank you thank you folks for coming on Absolutely. Thanks. Yeah. Adrian. Yeah. For yeah. sure. Well, thanks for hosting. Heck yeah. Well, that does it for us, folks. Uh, please be sure to like this video, subscribe, share it with your follow fellow Avalanche fans. Head on over to milehighhockey.com if you want to see how terrible I am at writing and how good the three <laughs> of these people are. You'll see why I like the camera and the microphone a lot more if you go read one of my articles. But 
That being said, <laughs> <laughs> that being said, we really appreciate you folks. Uh, head on over to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Audible. After all these live broadcasts, our podcasts are available the next day, typically in the evening. So if you subscribe, you'll get a notification as soon as we drop the next cast. You can kind of double back on some of the topics and feel free to clip any of this stuff and throw it in our face when we're wrong because I love, love trying to prove that I'm never wrong. Ask my wife. <laughs> Ask my wife. So, <laughs> Adrian from Mile High Hockey here. We love you. Go Avs. Mile High Hockey Man.